Welcome to a new episode of My Dear Kitchen in Helsinki podcast. My guest today is food blogger Yella Bertel from Waiwamatsku blog. Yella and I have been following each other's work for a long time in various platforms, and we have also had the chance to meet in person a few years ago. Today in this episode, we talked about her personal relationship with food and her cooking and food purchasing habits, as well as the role of food bloggers and writers in communicating sustainability issues of food system. Yella also gave some examples from her blog related to her answers, and you will also find tips about how to do your food shopping responsibly in the context of Helsinki. You can find her blog at www.waimamatsuku.com. Hope you enjoy. Welcome, Yella. I'm, I'm super excited to have you here today as my guest, as a fellow food blogger that I have been also following uh, for a long time. So first of all, how are you? Hello, Asli. Thank you so much for having me. Um, today I'm good. How are you? Well, I'm struggling with the weather, but other than that, uh, it's good because I, I love these days of, you know, uh, podcast interviews because it keeps me, you know, excited and dynamic. So, so this is good. So I first want to start with uh, a bit of introduction about yourself. So if you could introduce yourself and, of course, your blog a little, like um, your, your actual job is different. Uh, a bit different than the blog. So what is your actual current job? And also, why did you decide to be a blogger? And and when? Um, What is the content and style of your blog? But also, for the non-Finnish speaking listeners, uh, just the the meaning of the name of your blog and, you know, explain it a little bit. Okay, I knew this question was coming. (laughs) Everybody wants to know that. Okay, so my name is Jella. And yes, I'm not a professional food blogger. I'm actually an art teacher by profession. But obviously, being an art teacher is not why I'm here today as a guest. Mm -hmm. Um, It's the fact that I've been writing a food blog. And it's called Vaimomatsku. And uh, (laughs) this is... This translates as uh, wife material for you who don't speak Finnish. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've been writing this blog for over seven years now. And uh, I've been answering this question about the name since I began. Um, And it's a little bit of a long story, but I'll try to be short. So when I actually started blogging, I was going through a divorce. And um, I met somebody who was working on an online magazine and they were trying to like, hey, how about you start this um, blogging for us? Like, what about like a lifestyle blog? And I was like, no way, I'm not writing any lifestyle blog, Mm. but I could write a food blog. And then I got excited about it. And a day later, my first blog, blog post was up. And because it happened so fast that I didn't really think about the name much. Mm. And um, I had just gone through this divorce and people were still calling me like wife. (laughs) So then I ended up just naming myself like, yes, I'm wife material. Which obviously at that point I was the opposite, but Mm. that was a bit of a joke. Mm -hmm. Um, My food blog is, well... (sighs) I'd categorize it mainly like a food diary 
So I blog about what I eat and I develop a lot of recipes. So it's all about recipes, but of course, sometimes also some visits to restaurant or any food related event. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's often very like, I get super excited. I obsess over things. I'm um, getting fascinated over things that I see or read about or things that I've eaten in places um, while traveling or in Finland. And uh, then that's what I write about. And because I get excited, the (laughs) blog posts are often super long because I try to dig deep and uh, do a little research and uh, kind of back, back up what I'm saying. Uh, so short post is not something you're going to find in my blog very often. Mm-hmm. Um, and also regarding those recipes, I do a lot of vegetarian and vegan food mm-hmm. um, with a strong focus on seasonal produce and also reducing food waste. Um, I do a lot of experimenting with cooking techniques and ingredients. So any kind of creative cooking or problem solving Uh, figuring out new uses for ingredients that are kind of Mm non-conventional. Those are the things that really like light my fire. (laughs) So that's what I write about. Um, So I want to first start a bit with personal questions. And this next question is something that I've been asking um, lately, uh, whenever I find... uh, possibility in in a talk or 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 something else so the question is what is the meaning of food for you okay so i'm of course thinking from my personal point of view on a personal level Mm -hmm. i'm a food enthusiast so i'm a food enthusiast also who has a steady income and i live in finland so my personal level is very much tied to my position in this world. And and then I'm privileged to say that food is a passion and source of daily joy for me. Mm -hmm. Um, It's something that helps me relax. It's a creative outlet. Um, It's self-expression for me, Uh, being an art teacher. Of course, I do make art, but I consider cooking a kind of art form in itself. Uh, very closely related to creativity and self-expression and uh, food just makes life fun Mm -hmm. Uh, it's it's something that keeps me going Um, and it's an expression of love but then if I'm thinking meaning of food in more generally it is of course it's essential to life Mm -hmm. and it's not just about joy it's about being able to exist and we don't all have the privilege to take it on this yay it's fun level so um it's it's not just a simple sustenance but for some that's the first level of course but food is part of our culture and our traditions and that's how i see it Mm. so you, you said a little bit about this um it's an expression, it's a, it's a means for creative expression. Uh, so how in general would you describe your relationship with food then? Um, um, well, this, I don't know, I've been obsessed, so, so to say, with food since I was a child, at least that's what I've been told. 
So, for instance, my mom's told me about this uh, situation when um, she lost me, kind of, <laughs> when I was a toddler. Mm. I'd learned to walk, and in the middle of the night, she'd w- woken up and wouldn't find me in my crib. And then she was frantically searching for me all over the house, and eventually she would find me asleep in the high chair, like <laughs> waiting to be served my food. Um, and then when I was like older, learning to read, I loved reading cookbooks. We had some cookbooks at home, and I just remember being fascinated with reading them. And they didn't have a lot of pictures back then. They were like, cookbooks from the 70s and 80s but uh even still I was in love with them and then played restaurant at home and even sent my parents out to find uh, ingredients for cocktails because I wanted to create a cocktail for them that I'd read read about Hmm. and then of course this whole kind of obsession turned the moment when I moved out of my uh, parents house and Uh, went on living on my own. It was a different time, of course, being a student. Um, I found uh, for the first time in my life, like, well, actually, this frozen pizza is kind of (laughs) nice. So um, there's there's like different terms in this uh, relationship. But um, food is a friend. And for now, um, writing a food blog up to three posts per week for seven years. It is really like part of my daily existence, Mm -hmm. very concretely. Um, And of course, like this food is a friend, but it's it's been a foe as well. So there is this obsessive um, relationship that I have uh, have with food. So in some moments it's been of course like a bad thing as well. So, you know, the typical cases of comfort eating or mm. counting calories. I remember that being part of my life at some point. Um, but these days it's mainly a good obsession, I hope, like a healthy obsession. Yeah. yeah. So go through these these comfort food and other <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I recognize it very well. Yeah. Like it, I think uh, every meal is an opportunity to increase the quality of life for me personally. So if I like I'm traveling and I'm really like stressing about choosing right because if I end up eating something um, kind of not saying a bad meal there's no such thing as a bad meal if you get your tummy full but uh, if it's like bad in a way then it ruins my day which is super privileged to say um, and I think like being obsessed and kind of hedonistic with this relationship to food and having this in like privilege to indulge on this passion. Um, I still want to say I'm not really like an elitist in my opinion. I just want delicious food and that doesn't have to be expensive or anything luxurious or anything hard to get. It's like, like I, I have this um, <laughs> post up in my blog that's like a very simple, super simple recipe. It's basically black-eyed bean uh, peas, sorry, black-eyed peas cooked in uh, rosemary-infused water. So the rosemary actually was um, dried up because I didn't end up 
using the whole uh, potted herb. It dried and then I was like, I want to use it somehow. So I infused uh, water with the dried rosemary and then cooked those black eyed peas in it. Mm -hmm. And that is nothing complicated. Basically, there's anything and nothing else but those peas and then loads of uh, fried garlic. And it's so delicious. Wow. Oh, yes. Super simple. (laughs) So I craved stuff like that. Mm It doesn't have to be like caviar and oysters, though I do like oysters a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I I hate using the word consumer when it comes to food because uh, for food, one way or another, we are all makers, actually, even if we're a food blogger or a chef or just a, you know, just a regular person, uh, we we all make food for ourselves at least uh, a few times a week. So I like using the word food maker for everyone. Um, So as a food maker yourself, uh, what do you pay attention to when you are shopping for food? And, And also, you know, where do you usually shop from? Okay, Um, yeah, the consumer term, I guess we are consumers, but also food makers, um, like the term food maker. Um, Well, I am basically shopping from the shops that are grocery stores that are nearby. We have a really good uh, K supermarket and then a few Alepas nearby, and those are our primary sources of food. But of course, I also um, buy a lot of stuff from international stores. I really like to go and spend hours on places like uh, Oceanic Trading in Kallio or Dos Tecolotes. Alania Shop is one of my favorites in Itakeskus and then Tokyokan. And uh, when I'm shopping there, I have to say I sometimes get uh, an impulsive buyer mode Mm. and end up just like, finding stuff that I want to try out and bringing it home, which is not super sustainable. <laughs> that is like, that's something that I'm trying to kind of keep myself in control. Mm-hmm. Then also I often um, search for like special treats from this local food hub uh, close by. It's called Udenman Ruoka. Mm-hmm. And they have a lot of things that I, really like to treat myself to it's like my gift to myself is okay now I'm gonna order from Udemaruaka and get some einkorn flour for my sourdough mm. or some local shiso leaves and um, that's something I do I think um, because I'm really like a frugal person when it comes to everything but food I don't do a lot of shopping um, yeah only splurge on food and drinks so mm. I never really think about the price a lot and um, maybe this is also because uh, we are a family of two adults who are both working and uh, we work a lot so then price is not the thing for me I understand it's also like very privileged Mm -hmm. so I just buy what I want and I eat out also often Mm -hmm. Um, I think supporting restaurants especially now It's like an investment for my future well-being because I enjoy visiting many restaurants and I want to keep doing so. Yeah, yeah, I'm thinking thinking of price is not the thing. I'd rather think about buying seasonal 
a lot of organic, uh, local food, um, supporting small producers. And since I am in this position in life that I can do it monetary-wise, um, I want to do it. Mm. Um, now, expanding the, the conversation to a bit bigger context, um, like I want to ask you this basic question in that big context. Uh, what is your what is your definition of a sustainable food system or sustainability in the food system? And what do you need, what do you see that needs to change in our current food ways uh, to make it more sustainable? Uh, well, for once, um, going back to what I said just now about shopping, impulse buying on a lot of places, for instance, I'm thinking, um, last summer I got super excited about um, an ingredient I found at Alania shop, oh. Alania market. And I think you are familiar with this ingredient perhaps because um, I understand it's being used a lot, uh, for instance, in Turkey. And it's purslane. Ah, yes. No purslane. Yes. <laughs> and I understand it's like a weed in some parts of the world and people don't know about it and they could have it in an abundance and it's also super nutrient, mm. filled with nutrients, super delicious and um, I, I bought it a lot. It was quite inexpensive and obviously it was imported and this is like one of those aspects that uh, I'm super excited over something, but I also realize it's imported here. Mm. Mm, and I would imagine it could be grown here, but it's not. And um, thinking of something like sustainability, it's such a complex, multifaceted topic. And for me, like my factual knowledge is of this average food maker or food consumer here in Finland. Mm. Um, it's limited especially regarding sustainability aspects in the food production and, and also transportation. I have like just my, you know, basic uh, level of understanding. Um, but still I understand that this, how to free the growing population on this planet without destroying the earth mm -hmm. and not just without destroying it, but uh, sustaining the, this place as a home for all life, not just human life. And also like how to do it while this planet is going through changes due to, for instance, global warming, yeah. uh, landscapes are changing, can't keep growing stuff like we've done for the, this last uh, century. So it's really sustainability is not about just fixing our life now, but also creating this future with less problems and uh, for instance then continuing to flow in stuff that could be grown here is not really sustainable obviously and oh the topic is really giving me anxiety yeah. <laughs> it, it does uh, I, I just wondered when you said um which is which is very correctly like uh, it could be this person could be maybe uh, grown here do you have any contact with with local producers themselves through for example any of these alternative food networks or or stuff um, or would you be 
willing to or are you interested yeah. in are you trying to find well if i if i find out for instance um i found out a few years ago i think that somebody grows okra here in finland oh wow I okra is something so delicious that mm-hmm. if somebody grows it here i'm gonna buy it mm-hmm. you can of course get it frozen and shipped in But if I could encourage somebody to uh, grow it here, if it's possible, mm. and there would be a market, of course, I'd love to like help with creating that. Yeah, I know um, many people, uh, like from my own, per- own personal uh, network, uh, especially among Turkish friends, uh, that would be happy to have okra, <laughs> locally grown okra, myself included. So. Yeah, yeah. So mm, I wish I had better network, um, but I guess I could try and <laughs> expand it. But uh, just in general, this whole aspect of sustainability, how to change them to be more sustainable, the current uh, system, current food base, um, since there's like, I can affect things that I do as some middle-class consumer in Helsinki. So I try to focus on doing what I can uh, in everyday life. So I can, of course, affect my own con- consuming and eating habits. Um, eat, less, eat less animal-based products, um, which, of course, I was a vegetarian for 13 years. Mm-hmm. And I actually started eating everything uh, around the time I started the food blog, <laughs> which I didn't realize before I was um, actually thinking about these questions that you asked, but it goes hand in hand, uh, starting a food blog and ending a long period of being vegetarian. But I don't eat a lot of meat, but I still do like, for instance, consume a lot of eggs and dairy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I could try and like uh, work on that and then, of course, even more, uh, eat even more sustainable plant-based food. Uh, for me personally, reducing food waste is really something that I like to do, even though I understand the impact on sustainability is uh, smaller than for per se uh, eating less meat. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's something that I kind of, it's gratifying finding uses for something that would be going to waste or reducing waste and then also like foraging what i can here in helsinki picking some wild food um, eating seasonal and local mm-hmm. those are things that they are not difficult i think and everybody could do more of that mm-hmm. um, and as as a food blogger i can try to encourage people to do that mm-hmm. yeah that's where i'm uh, coming at uh you you gave a lot of um examples about your your personal um um habits but also uh well you have the blogger identity you have this really uh nice blog with a lot of uh, followers as well so so how do you think a food blog <clears throat> or a food you know blogger uh, can contribute to tackling the issues of food sustainability i mean in the blog itself Uh, do you have a communication approach? And also you can expand this question to uh, the potential of uh, food blogging and 
you know, food writing in general, uh, in uh, the communication of food sustainability. What do you think of that? Yeah, I think um, when I started writing my blog, of course, I had no idea about ever having any so-called influence on anybody's life. Mm -hmm. um, I wasn't really anticipating anybody ever really reading anything. And then, of course, over the years, it's grown. And um, I can see the numbers, even if it feels like nobody's reading. It's not true. <laughs> I just don't see them reading and reacting. Um, so I really try to be aware of what I say and what I focus on in the blog because um, I suppose it does have impact, even if I don't uh, directly um, experience the impact. Um, and so I'm thinking I want to uh, normalize vegetarian and vegan food uh, because those do have a big impact. And um, I want to get people excited over delicious food that ticks the boxes of uh, how this world can go on, um, like food-wise, mm -hmm. sustainably. And I don't want to make any kind of big deal out of it. So if I have like a, I don't really have a communication plan, mm -hmm. but I'm thinking um, how, how to say it, I want to be, that it's just a normal part of this is what I eat and you don't have to make big deal out of it. There's absolutely no meat in it. <laughs> it's, it's just food. It's good food. Mm -hmm. So I do this by giving alternatives, of course, for animal-based product, uh, products. That's what I cook with myself. Um, I can get super excited of like, all the different ways to do fake and, you know, fake bacon, mm. like making it with coconut or rice paper mm. or mushrooms, or there's so many ways of doing it. And I really like all those results um, or how to do, you know, different kind of vegan cheeses. Um, and for instance, my recipes always use oat cream as a default because I don't see there's any difference in taste uh, when you're using it as part of cooking. Mm -hmm. So why, why would you use, um, you know, cream? Mm -hmm. You can use oat cream and it <laughs> doesn't make really a big difference. Mm -hmm. um, and this is something I think anybody could do. So I just um, introduce it as a default. Of course, then I can also uplift local small sustainable producers. For instance, talking about vegan, um, vegan cheese, um, there is this Juustotytöt here in Finland who make this amazing vegan fromage or like yeah. kind of uh, camembert style cheese that is absolutely amazing. Uh, so I wrote a blog post about them. And then, for instance, we have some... Um, Tempe made in Finland out of Finnish broad beans and Finnish grown hemp and buckwheat or peas mm -hmm. um, and super good. So this is some kind of product that I want to uplift in my blog. Mm -hmm. And then I, I also try to talk about the sustainable options if you are buying animal-based products. So for instance, I always include links to 
um, WWF seafood guide, if talking about fish, um, meet the meat guide, and then food guide for sustainable eating, um, trying to normalize again, like the decision making at the store. Mm-hmm. What should you go for if you do want to eat fish or meat? And then, of course, these tips on reducing food waste. So I just try to be aware of the messages that I have, like the direct messages, but also the sort of insinuating, insinuating what, what's hidden inside the words. Um, and for instance, like, yes, writing about meat is not something I do often, but then if I do write about it, I try to make it clear that, okay, so for instance, the, I don't know if you've noticed, but often if shops are serving or selling organic meat or organic chicken, of course, it's a little bit higher price than the mass produced one, which it should be. Mm-hmm. But then you see sometimes uh, they get the red tag that, okay, this is about to expire. They're selling it as a discount price. And whenever I see meat being discounted, organic meat, I feel like it's my duty to buy it Mm -hmm. because that's horrible when it goes to waste. And I'm thinking about the message it sends to the store that maybe they see it going to waste, people don't buy it, and then they stop offering it. Yeah. So (laughs) then, for instance... I buy that and freeze it and then use it to the end, like making stock out of the bones and trying to really also bring this aspect to my blog. Mm -hmm. So don't know if it's like a communication plan or approach, but this is what I've been doing at least. Yeah. Um, I want to just put a parenthesis here. Um, Do you have any tips for Helsinki Linens? Like, uh, especially to shop for more responsible meats uh, and, and um, fish uh, produce, like um, apart from the organic uh, meat that, you, that they can find in, in normal you know, local shops like S-Market, Co-Market. Are there any other places that you go, like in Kaupahallis or some other place? Uh, yeah, sure. Recommend? Mm-hmm. Kaupahallis are good places for um, speaking directly with people who know uh, the producers often. Mm-hmm. And also, I think, like, for instance, where the area where I live, um, there's a Facebook group, and then there can be people advertising that they are fishing and they are selling what they're fishing. And then you can be directly in contact with the producer. Okay. And I think that's one really nice thing. Mm-hmm. Um, these food hubs, I think they are a good way also, and reco, uh, reco circles, circles that distribute directly from small producers. Mm, there's a lot of um, um, like small producers selling uh, game meat um, and so on. So I've sometimes also been buying like a whole lamb <laughs> to my freezer. Okay. Uh, directly from the growers so that that could be something to look in, look into mm-hmm. so 
Speaking of sustainability, uh, it, it's not a, a, a very new concept or word anymore, but still most of the time people think of just environmental aspects or mostly environmental aspects, even though it has other pillars. Uh, and here, I think we should also speak about cultural sustainability uh, because cultural sustainability being closely linked to cultural heritage and beliefs and practices is also closely related to food itself, of course, or food waste. So, um, so about this, what do you think of how different cultures are represented in food blogs and in food media in, in general, if you like, um, and, and the cultural uh, appropriation of food? Yeah, this is, this is, I think, a hot topic and super important topic. Um, and I guess it depends on what kind of food blog ones, uh, what food blogs one is following. Um, but thinking in like general mainstream Western food media, I suppose it's, it's been made by white people for white people, mm. like very much. And of course, now, for instance, this year, we've had examples of how things may be, may be hopefully changing. Um, don't know if you followed the case of Bon Appetit uh, last uh, summer. No. Well, Bon Appetit is, of course, like a huge, huge food media uh, and the parent company is Condé Nast. And uh, they have a really popular YouTube channel, or let's say it was popular because uh, there was big controversy over them tokenizing uh, BIPOC community, uh, BIPOC, BIPOC creatives on their payroll and then having uh, inequality in the pay, pays that they got, that they received mm -hmm. and just like a culture of racism in this company. Mm -hmm. And they were exposed over it and the YouTube channel lost a lot of followers, which is of course, good. And to top it off, they uh, did negotiate with their employers um, regarding making the wages equal. Mm -hmm. um, eventually, all those or most of those original creators left because they wouldn't pay them the same wages. Yeah. So I don't know how, what's going to happen with that, but I think it at least brought a lot of awareness on the topic just because it's such a popular, huge uh, channel. Mm -hmm. And also, like I'm thinking here in Helsinki, have we have, uh, well, we have, for instance, celebrity, celebrity chefs. And uh, I think not just in Finland, but all over in Western countries, the celebrity chefs are usually white and male. <laughs> and they kind of start opening all kinds of restaurants. Yeah. And uh, for instance, here in Helsinki, we have a celebrity chef opening several Asian style restaurants over the years, and they all claim to be authentic. So how's that possible? He, this celebrity chef has, uh, can be calling all these restaurants authentic. Yeah. Um, and that's been of course pointed out in food writing um, for instance, there's uh, Eero-Pekka in Five Star Magazine, this food-related uh, food Finnish magazine, who pointed out this, uh, this issue 
this Finnish chef in question has even said that that flavors have been sort of made more suitable for Finnish palate mm. and still it's called authentic mm. and people rave about it. And yes, the food can be delicious. I've eaten in these places. It's super delicious, but it's very problematic how um, it's represented. And we don't really see similar um, kind of raving good reviews or people going uh, wild about all the Asian uh, restaurants opened by immigrants here in Finland. Mm. Actually, it's almost the opposite. It's said, well, the Chinese restaurants here, they are not really authentic. You know, it's just uh, made to suit Finnish palate. Like, hmm. (laughs) So (laughs) why would it, you know, why is it, it's very like biased. Yeah. And being part of um, food blogging community, of course, I see this um, from the inside, and and I can't say that I'm like I'm, I'm not the same, especially for writing something for seven years, mm-hmm. and not always uh, stopping to think about things. I think uh, I don't pass my own scrutiny on this thing. <laughs> hard, um, as a food as a, as a food writer myself i find also problematic sometimes what i do in this case yeah. but it happens even though i try not to. yeah but i think it's if you stop to think about it it's like often maybe it's white people white chefs that can cook from food from any culture whatsoever and do these um, innovative or creative combinations and get um, really big, uh, you know, applause for it. Like, yes, mm. so creative, <laughs> wonderful. And then people are uh, lining up for the restaurant. Mm. But does this uh, apply to non-white chefs? That Are they stuck with, well, you are coming from this country, so you must cook only this food? Mm. And uh, there's there isn't like a representation of minorities in high places in the food uh, food community, and I'm not just talking about like celebrity chefs, but also you don't see these um, writers in those big food food media conglomerates either. But hopefully that's about to change. Mm. So we don't have. Uh, recipes written by you know all kinds of recipes written by one kind of people because that is making the representation um, unrealistic it's misrepresentation and uh, yes I'm also the person who writes those recipes of all kinds which is the horrible part but I mean as long as you are um like for example, in in my case, I I tell that I got inspired by this certain uh, some kind of very cultural food, but but I don't claim myself that this is uh, specifically uh, like, I don't know this Armenian dish, for example. I say always, and it is the case. Like I I might deliberately want to change something in it. But that's the inspiration I got, and I always try to give um, some link or possible something uh, that gives information about the real thing, and then how I changed it. 
just mm -hmm. just to experience but but um because also sometimes like um i see uh, everywhere uh, some you know different kinds of recipes and it's it may be something that i never tried uh, to, to to taste from the original source ever uh, so mm -hmm. I, can, I can never say yeah i saw it in this blog and i just you know applied it and here is the real deal i can never say that so so yeah. i try to at least <laughs> give this much information in my case but but one thing you said about like um like immigrants being ex like expected to do their own you know own cultural dish for example i am also i'm i'm not only a food blogger but i'm also doing food uh for my income and mm -hmm. you know, caterings and food consultancy and stuff like this and i'm always expected i mean at least i've been doing it for five years uh, as a job so so uh, at least now it's a bit different but in the first i was always expected to make just turkish food because i'm turkish i must be doing turkish food even though i'm very interested in different new uh, root vegetables that I only saw here, for example, I wanted mm -hmm. to do that, but no, please wine leaf rolls and, you know, things like that, like hummus, like the amount of hummus I made, I'm, I would go crazy at some point. So, and, and whenever I give, like I do something that is not so recognizable for people in their idea of Turkish food, they think, is it Turkish? Because I'm, you know, because I'm Turkish, it must be Turkish. Like, so I'm trying to change this because I personally, of course, like I want to just try different things. So it's, it's something very true that I experienced myself in my own life. Um, but um, coming to the end of the, our topic, I, we have to talk about, I mean, we cannot not talk about coronavirus situation. Um, so how do you think um, you can, and you can answer this question just locally if you want in Finnish context, or you can uh, also apply, uh, reply it uh, globally. How do you think COVID-19 affected the you know, food and food systems? Uh, and also, what do you think is the future of food post-COVID-19? Well, um, answering this question today after reading uh, the news, oh. the first thing that I'm thinking about post-COVID-19 world is unfortunately humanitarian crisis and famine because I just read about the United Nations Global Humanitarian Overview for next year. And it's looking truly, truly horrifying. Um, they said that up to 40% more people are in need of help next year in comparison to the previous year. Yeah. And of course, the COVID situations affecting the, the poorest of the poor. Um, so... That is on top of my mind today, but uh, also I'm thinking about how does the food industry bounce back from from this year because they might be like still on the surface of things at this moment, but will it last? Um, there's probably a lot of unemployment um, happening in food food context, any, anybody working in food. And I'm thinking like, which are the companies that survive long-term? 
they might survive for now, but do they survive long term? And how many, um, for instance, small businesses do we have remaining after this? Which is, of course, why I'm really trying to support small businesses as much as possible in general, but especially now. And I'm thinking like if some parts of the system that our planet's been operating on um, related to food, um, if, if some parts are collapsing, and of course they've been collapsing a bit now, uh, how do we ensure the new emerging ones are sustainable, not a quick fix? Oh. So, of course, there's also the other side of the coin. For instance, what's visible here in Finland? So, um, in Western countries, with no problems in general, um, COVID has affected. For instance, I can see that people are cooking probably a lot more. At least they are searching up food blocks more than before because last spring I think I had triple the numbers <laughs> suddenly it's like jumping super high numbers and I'm like what's going on and then I realized oh it's not just me it's basically all food blocks have the same thing happening and then hopefully of course people are consuming more local produce um, because you realize that uh, we can't rely on stuff being flown to us all the time. It's not sustainable. So finding stuff locally is maybe people's eyes are more open to that. And then also maybe we are more open to uh, celebrating domestic travel, which of course um, brings more possibilities also to food, um, food being visible locally. I don't know, these are, these are the things that have been trending, but will they be trending when things go back to so-called normal yeah. and people start forgetting uh, pandemic times? Um, I hope so. So that something is learned from the vulnerability of this uh, system bit that we have. And... Uh, Maybe this, that we can overcome things together, should be applied to um, things that are outside a pandemic, a global pandemic. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I hope the same, that we, we have learned and we're not going to try to do quick fixes or uh, go back to what it was before, but we will actually rethink uh, everything that we're doing, not just the food itself, but everything that we're doing. And because let's face it, this also is not going to be the last pandemic. And mm. uh, so we have to be like prepared. We, we just realized that we are not prepared at all, uh, except, except for some, some um, parts of Asia that went, which went through SARS, uh, pandemic before and actually learned things from that um, the rest of the world were, was not really so much and also some of the African countries which are not mm -hmm. really talked about so much in western media but they also have been some of them have been fighting with Ebola for example for such a long time they learned and they actually handled uh, their um, corona uh, COVID-19 pandemic pretty well so so let's hope that we're going to be prepared for the next yeah. and um, both for food and, and about other things. Um, but 
but these are my all my questions. And yes. um, if you have any final words and comments, but also if you can tell people uh, where, like, uh, again, the link to your blog, but also where else they can find you if they want to follow you. I'm going to try to uh, put some of this in descriptions, but um, um, I, I think I can give the most comprehensive description in the YouTube version of this. Um, so it's, it's better to also tell uh, people where, where they can find you and also any other final words or comments you, you have. Okay. Well, actually, I'm going to um, first grasp what you said about uh, Africa mm -hmm. and the representation, um, because this year, around June, during the Black Lives Matter movement, uh, the rise, rise of that, um, I actually figured out there is a um, restaurant um, here where I, whereabouts I live and they uh, cook up um, African food, which of course African food is like a lot of things. And I was curious about it. So I ordered some for home and it was delicious. And I um, posted about it on Instagram. It's called Bantu food. Mm -hmm. And I was just curious about figuring out more about African food. And that's when I really realized that the representation in Western food media is absolutely close to zero. Um, so as a final words, uh, I would say <laughs> for everybody listening, mm -hmm. um, I recommend checking out African food scene in Helsinki. Uh, we have a lot of Ethiopian restaurants here that are really, really lovely, but there's also a lot of people doing food um, not in a restaurant setting and uh, you can order in but they don't have like a space reserved for seat seating at the location where they cook it so uh, that's something <laughs> I just want to squeeze in okay. before uh, we wrap, the, wrap this up mm -hmm. um, yeah regarding how you can reach me um, well I have my food blog and the address is vaimomatsku.com and then I'm also on Instagram it's vaimomatsku there as well and same in Facebook mm -hmm. I do have a Twitter account but I really don't use it anymore same. so <laughs> that's not maybe a place and then of course you can find me on Pinterest as well but uh, that's about it and, and the blog is in Finnish, uh, but uh, it's, it's uh, very easy to follow the recipes, at least uh, that I know. Uh, okay. But also, also uh, for uh, like non-Finnish speakers, especially your, your Instagram account, uh, the, most, of, most of the time, like the captions of the uh, mm -hmm. photos have a lot of English uh, explanations. Yes. Or, so it's, it's, it would be very easy for any non-Finnish speaking person to follow it and have something uh, from yeah. it. And really good photos as well. <laughs> 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 so, okay, then uh, that's, that's it. And thank you again for doing this interview. And I'm going to be following, of course, uh, your blog. And hopefully, maybe when all this ends, we can meet in person again. <laughs> And have, yeah. uh, have a, a real uh, chat and, and, you know, eat together and so on. So fingers crossed. 
Yeah, fingers crossed. That would be lovely. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me, Asli. I'm happy to. <laughs> so um, have a nice rest of today, if you can, in this weather. <laughs> I mean, I'm looking at it right now. It's quite dreary, but <laughs> let's see. But um, that's it. Okay, bye. Thank you, bye.